0: Well, we're going to get into what we're going to talk about today, and we've been going through this series called the Upside Down series, and during this series, we've been discussing uh, the differences between uh, our culture and the culture we live in, and the culture in what we call the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is the culture that Jesus talked about when Jesus was on this earth, and he was teaching, and he talked about the kingdom of God, and how the kingdom of God it isn't for when we get to heaven, the kingdom of God is for right now now. And uh, so we've been discussing this. So uh, last week, we, uh, uh, we discussed about, uh, 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 about money and, and, and about uh, 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 something called mammon, which is uh, just the, the pursuit to gain more wealth and stuff like that. Uh, today, we're going to go in a little different direction. But about two weeks ago, Uh, I I was uh, in an all-day sales seminar for insurance sales. Sounds riveting, right? Um, So I was in this seminar, and it was called Finishing First. um, It was a great seminar, and it was by this guy who had been a very successful kind of insurance guy. And uh, as I sat there, uh, the afternoon session got a little tiring, as it always does. You eat dinner, and then it's like way too much information, information overload. But in the morning... The main topic of the day was to make yourself credible and show your worth to the world out there to show why everybody should come with you and they should buy from you instead of your competitors. And so we did a bunch of these exercises, and these exercises were very uncomfortable, but we had to say why we thought we were credible. Why we thought we were so good and what made us different. So, like, everyone's in the room and they're like, you know, I mean, these are insurance nerds. And so, uh, you know, most people are, like, stumbling over, like, what, ha- what makes them credible and everything. Well, I get up and I'm like, well, what makes you different? I'm like, I have an accent. You know, I mean, that's it. You know, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> but it kind of works sometimes. And so, so we're, we're talking through and we're saying about all these wonderful things about us. Uh, and, and, And a lot of people feel uncomfortable when you start talking about how wonderful you are. But that's what we were told to do. And they were saying, if you do this, then people will know that you're credible. And they'll start to understand why they should buy from you instead of a competitor. And it reminds me of a lot of job interviews, right? So you go to a job interview, and I remember when I started uh, out of college just in the year 2000, and I started going on these job interviews, and I wasn't getting jobs because I found it very hard to talk about how wonderful I am. Uh, I find it a little easier these days, but... But back then, it was really hard to talk about how wonderful I because we were not trained to do that. We were trained when we were kids to like to, to 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 be humble and you know talk about how wonderful other people are, but not how wonderful you are. That's not how how you do it. And 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 you go to a job interview, and what separates the person who gets the job and as the person who doesn't isn't the resume because often the resumes are the same or very equal. It's who can sell themselves better, right? Who can sell themselves more? And so some of you, you are very good at that. Some of you, you're not so good at that. But back in 2000, it was really hard. Now, kids are today, they have no problem. They find it easy to sell themselves. And this is why. Because they do it every single day of their lives. So what they are on... Instagram, or they're on Facebook. Well, the kids aren't on Facebook anymore, just as older people. and uh, Or they're on Twitter, on their Snapchat, and they are constantly promoting themselves and how wonderful they are about, you know, and and on and this and that. And, and actually, if you go on Facebook today, you'll probably see a bunch of people talking about how wonderful either their husband is or their wife is, uh, you know, if they've got something good to say about them, or how wonderful their kids are if they've, again, got something good to say about them. And they're talking about how wonderful this is and that and, uh, and, and they're promoting themselves. And so we live in this culture today where it is a very uh, self-promotion culture, where we publicize ourselves and, and how wonderful we are. And that's how our culture is telling us that we need to live. And so as I was sitting in that sales seminar, I was thinking, hmm, I wonder what Jesus would say about all this. This is the way to sell more insurance What would Jesus say about all this? And long story short, Jesus didn't have very good things to say about it. So let's take a look at what Jesus said. It's found in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1. This is what Jesus said. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your father in heaven. Now, when Jesus walked on this earth, Jesus did a lot of miracles. He healed a lot of people and did a lot of other miracles. And this is often what Jesus would do. Jesus would go to someone who needed healing and he would heal them. And then he would whisper in their ear, don't tell anybody who did this, which they never listened to what Jesus said. They went and told everybody, right? But what Jesus did, he often, when he would perform a miracle, he would do it privately or with not many people watching as to not create a hype over what he was doing. See, the kingdom of God was not about miracles. The kingdom of God was about Jesus and establishing God's purposes on earth. But miracles were just a result of that. But Jesus didn't want to create a hype around it. See, there was this authentic humility about Jesus that fought hard not to create hype around his life. Now, in the culture, when Jesus said these words in Matthew 6, there was three main influences in the culture. There was Jewish cultural influence. There was Roman cultural influence because the Romans had invaded uh, and, and conquered that area. And then there was Greek Um, cultural influences because the philosophies of Greece had infiltrated. Now in in the Jewish culture, there were thought to be three acts of what we call piety. Piety are like religious practices, religious duties. There were three acts of religious piety that the Jews believed if they did these things, then they would get rewards from God that they would actually get closer to God and God would be more pleased with them and give them more rewards if they did these three acts of piety. And so these three acts of piety were this. They were, they were prayer, they were fasting, and then they were acts of charity, good deeds given to the poor. They would often give what they called alms to the poor, A-L-A-M-S, alms to the poor. And so this was part of the culture that they were in. Then there were two other influences in the culture. There was the Roman culture and the Greek culture. Uh, and, and both of these cultures were very similar in the fact that they did not emphasize personal charity or acts of piety. Because in their culture, they believed in many gods. And so they, they, they believed there was many different ways to, to appease in the gods. But instead, they believed in large gestures to public projects and giving noticeable contributions to those in need to help elevate themselves to be more popular with other people. So that's kind of the culture that they lived in. So there was these acts of piety, prayer, fasting, and giving to the poor. And then there was this other culture saying, no, you need to give to these things in need, but you need to do it publicly so everybody else can see you so that you can gain your own popularity. So think about this. Think about large sponsorships, right? So you've got these companies who give these large sponsorships to, to, to like nonprofits and these different things. Let me tell you, the majority of these companies, there may be some exceptions, but the majority of these companies, they are not giving to these things because they want to do good or they want to, you know, I mean, they want to do good, but they're not doing it just out of the kindness of the heart. They're doing it for advertising. They're doing it because they know that if they are seen to be giving to good things, they will get back. Think of those people who have like large political contributions, Right. People who give large political contributions are not giving it for the good of the country. They're giving it because they hope that their candidate that they're giving to will get elected, which means that hopefully they will get a seat at the table and they'll have some influence in public policy. Because that's just our culture the way that it is. So it was these three things that were influencing culture, and this was the tension of the people who listened to Jesus that day, the Jewish culture of the acts of piety, but also self-promotion so that people, you could be more popular with other people. And so here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus is saying, if you do these things to be more popular or to gain more influence, then guess what? There's no reward for you. Now, the Jews believed if they did these acts of piety, they would get a reward. So Jesus is speaking to their culture and saying, if you want that reward, if you do these things publicly so that everyone else can see what you're doing, then there's going to be no reward. It's amazing. In one statement, Jesus hits all three cultures. Now, Jesus was a rabbi. And when rabbis taught, this is how they taught. They taught in three-point sermons. If you've been in church long enough, you'll often find the majority of sermons have three points. Sometimes preachers will shake it up with four or two, but the majority three-point sermons. And we think that's like a a Western uh, cultural thing, but it's not actually. It comes from the rabbis' teachings when the Jews, the Jewish rabbis would always talk about three qualities to emphasize their teaching. And so Jesus was a rabbi, and Jesus taught the same way. He was speaking to their culture, so they understood the three points or the three qualities a rabbi would give. And so Jesus is talking about this self-promotion, and Jesus uses three points. And so we're going to very briefly look at these three points today. And so the first point that Jesus used is, is in alignment with the Jewish piety, and the first one he uses is charity. Charity. Doing good deeds, gifts to the poor. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2 to 4. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do. Blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, Jesus says. They have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't, do, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. So Jesus introduces us to a group of people that you often find will linger around those who are doing good things. And these groups of people are called the hypocrites. The hypocrites. Now, the word hypocrite basically means this. It is someone who pretends to have virtues that they don't actually possess. So it's someone who, who's basically saying, I'm this, but I'm not really. So... In the church setting, you'll find people who will say, I'm holy, I'm this, I'm that. But then you look at their life and it's like, no, you're not holy at all. Don't even try to say it. And so Jesus starts to say, don't do as the hypocrites do. Now, when I was a kid, I used to hear a lot of people say, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. Right? Has anyone ever heard someone say that? I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. I partly believe in that statement and I don't believe in that statement. I partly believe because, yeah, there are some people in church who are pretending to have virtues that they don't have. They think that they're holy and they tell everybody else they're holy. I pray like this and I do this. But then when you really look at it, they don't have much faith in God at all and they are hypocrites. But then the majority of people in churches are genuine people who are not trying to be someone they're not. They're just trying to, 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 to find their way in Christ and find their faith and increase their faith and walk in their faith. And so they're not. So it's, a, it's really a false statement to say the church is full of hypocrites. But there are hypocrites in the world. And Jesus said this to, to, to the listeners that day, don't do as the hypocrites do. And then this is what he said they do. They go around blowing their trumpets in the synagogues and in the streets to announce to everybody the charity that they're doing, the good that they're doing. Now, don't take what Jesus is saying literally here, because nobody ever went into the synagogue and blew a trumpet. We had someone blow a trumpet here once. That was interesting. But they don't go into the synagogues blowing trumpets people weren't going out into the streets blowing trumpets J- jesus was using a metaphor here like like you've ever heard someone say someone's blowing their own trumpet right that they're, they're self promoting it's, it's it's a metaphor so but what jesus was touching on what they would actually do when the jews would give to the to the poor that they would give what they called alms to the poor and In this culture, they had these boxes that they would put all their gifts in and then they would carry them to the poor. And sometimes they would carry them into the synagogue, other times they would carry them into the streets. And these boxes, historians will tell us that they actually looked a little like trumpets. So what people were doing is they were packing all their stuff and then they put it in their arm and walk around and they would go by their friend's house. Oh, just stop and say hi. Hey, look at my trumpet, you know? They would go into church and they would be like, hey, guys. Oh, after church, I'm just stopping over, giving my gifts to the poor, to the poor. You know, so they would go into the streets and so everybody would know what they're doing. They were publicly doing this self-promotion. And Jesus' response to them is simple. There is no reward for these people remember the Jews they did these acts of piety to gain a reward from God and Jesus is teaching them that the virtuous in the kingdom of God make sure that giving is done privately not seen by all and this is the tension for our culture because we live in this self-promotion culture where if things are done and we do good things we want to tell everybody about them think about churches for a moment. We do outreaches. What's the first thing that we want to do? Let's put it on Facebook so everybody can see what we're doing, right? And that's the tension as a leadership we have. Okay, what what do we post on Facebook? What don't we post on Facebook? Because is is it giving promotion to us or is it giving honor to God? And so this is the tension that we have in our culture, in this self-promotion culture. Jesus says, don't do that. Instead, Mm -hmm. When you give, give privately so nobody can see except for your heavenly Father who then will reward you. The word reward also means, also can translate into, it will be paid in full. Which was an ancient term for a business transaction that had concluded. Paid in full. What Jesus was saying, is, when you do this, you're making an investment in the kingdom of heaven. And that investment, that transaction is done when you give to the poor. So we need to think, okay, what we do, are we doing it publicly so others can see it and admire us? Or are we doing things because we generally have a heart for other people? The second act of piety that Jesus talked about is prayer. This is what Jesus says in... Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15. It says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray, pu- pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth that, all, that that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you go to pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in pr- private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on as other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. I've met some Christians who are like that. It says, don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So instead, pray like this. Our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I wonder what kind of prayer you are what kind of prayer you are. Take a look at this video and see if you can identify yourself with any of these.
1: Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day, Lord Jesus, and all your wonderful Lord Jesus things that you, Lord Jesus, do for us. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, uh, I just want to thank you for Annie, and Sarah, and Molly. I know that with your strength we can change the world! We can change the world! Woo! Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars. And we give you the praise. Yes, Jesus. We cannot wait to see what you're going to yes. do today. And we are excited. Ho! Aunt Margaret's really nasty hangnail.
0: And I worship you forever and ever.
1: God, I, uh, I just, uh... Um, toilet paper deodorant. Speaking of I need to get some more. Hey God, uh, thanks for bringing us here today. Thank you for all the stuff that you're going to do in our lives, uh, the ways you're going to work. is absolutely amazing and we are super amped for everything that you hold for us. I just don't know what to say. Hey God. Man, you're great. Help me find a mate. Amen. Oh. Salt, garlic salt, sea salt, kosher salt. God, just just let your doves of knowledge flow from under our fingernails of repentance. 100, firewire 400, Firewire 800, IDE, Thunderbolt.
0: I'm not going to ask you to admit, but any of you like one of those, I'm sure we've got some here today. Just uh, no interlocking, right? No interlocking hands. Anyway, so, but there's all different types of ways to pray. But I think one thing that we have emphasized in church over the maybe the last 50 years. It's something we call public prayer. And we have emphasized this public prayer that it is some grandiose thing. When I was a kid, uh, Sunday mornings, people would just get up and start praying. And the more eloquent you prayed, the more holy that people thought that you were. But often what we've done is we've elevated public prayer over the importance of private prayer. And what Jesus was saying in Jesus' day, what people did, people did not go to the synagogue and people did not pray out loud in public. There was not these public gatherings where, where people would just stand up and pray. And there, there would maybe be the, the rabbi or the, the Levi or the priest who would lead um, some sort of service. But there was not this, 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 this corporate gathering like we have today. But instead what people would do, they would pray privately. And so they would go to a private room and pray. And so most people would go and pray in their, in their homes. And they would have a private room in their home where they would pray before God. Now the problem was in Jesus' culture that that he was talking to. It was a farming culture. It was a poorer culture. People did not have rooms in their home, so they would often go to the synagogue, and then they would find a private place in the synagogue to pray. And often they would go to the storehouse of the synagogue. That's where people would bring their crops so that the priests could live, and 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 and, and eat. And they would go to the the storehouse and pray. But what Jesus was finding that people were going there, and they were pretending to pray privately, but they were raising their voices just enough so that other people could hear what they were saying. And it wasn't a, let's pray for everybody at the goodness of my heart. It was, hey, look at me. Look how I'm praying. I'm holy. Now, the influence of the Greek culture was that they believed in many gods, and the Greeks would babble on in prayer. And so what the Greeks would do, they they would use all this eloquent language to, to show the gods that they were virtuous, that they were intelligent, they were educated. And so they would babble on in prayer, and then there were the pagans, and the pagans believed in many gods as well. And they would start to tell the gods all the good that they had done to appease the gods. So that the gods would not strike them down or, or bring, uh, uh, you know, bad luck on them. And so Jesus is hitting all these, all these cultures. And Jesus is saying, don't pray out loud so others can hear you. Then he's saying, don't babble on. And he's saying, don't tell all all the good that you've done. Instead, when you pray, Jesus says, don't be like these hypocrites who do this. He says, prayer is a private matter. God sees it. God hears it. And God knows it. So Jesus says, instead, pray like this. Instead of coming out with all this eloquent language, I'm going to tell you how to pray. Use these words, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those, you know, forgive us our sins as, as uh, our trespasses. And, 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 forgive, uh, and let us forgive those who sin against us. And Jesus carries on. And, and basically Jesus is saying, yeah, use these words. I'm going to teach you how to pray because prayer isn't about the words that you say. It's about the heart behind the prayer. Now, we haven't got time to talk about the Lord's Prayer this morning. We're not going to go into it all. But this is basically, I believe, the theme of the Lord's Prayer. I think this is what Jesus is saying. Lord, help me stay strong as we seek to live out the kingdom of God in our lives. It's so what I think God is really saying and Jesus is saying. As we live in this unshakable kingdom of God, as we try to live in this culture that, that God is trying to create and mold us into, help me to live out of it. And then Jesus throws out this statement. He says, on forgiveness. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to give others, then your father will not forgive your sins. Jesus is saying it's a heart matter. If you've got unforgiveness in your heart, then it's a heart matter. Jesus is saying it's it's not about the words that you're saying. It's not that others can hear it. It's about what's going on in your heart. He's saying that when you offer grace, grace comes back to you. Your reward is that grace comes back to you. And very quickly and finally today, Jesus touches on the last act of Jewish piety. And that is something what we call fasting. Fasting. This is what Jesus said in verse 16. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. These guys again, they're everywhere. Hypocrites. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so that people would admire them for fasting. He says, I tell you the truth. That, the o- that, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, or some translations, put oil on your hair, and wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. Now, the Jews would often fast when they mourned or they prayed. It was seen as the next step in claiming your reward from God. You were more righteous, you were more holy if you were someone who fasted. Now, fasting for weight loss was forbidden. So all you who are on diets or whatever, it was forbidden in the Jewish world. That It was seen as a non-virtuous thing to fast for weight loss. But instead, to fast for the purposes of God was seen as a virtuous thing. Now, what many would do, they would actually make their public they're fasting public. In ancient Israel, they would actually change their clothes. They would put sackcloths on, like potato sacks. And they, they would put sackcloths on and they would get ashes and sprinkle ashes all over them so that people could see that they were either in mourning or they were fasting. They wanted to see that people would see that they were holy, that they were righteous. They wanted to see that they were on the fast track to getting the rewards from God. And Jesus says, no, don't do as the hypocrites do, showing everybody else what you're doing. Instead, when you fast, this is what you should do. Comb your hair. Comb your hair. I don't know the last time I put a comb through my hair. I don't know. But comb your hair. And wash your face. And this is what Jesus is saying. In the Jewish culture, they would, when they were fasting, they wouldn't wash their hair. They wouldn't put oil on their skin. That They would actually go round, and they wouldn't wash while they were fasting. So stay away from the people who were fasting. They were the stinky ones. And so they would do this. Now in Greek culture, what Greek culture would do, Greek culture encouraged people to put oil in their hair and oil on their skin and oil on their face to revigorate their skin. A little like the ladies do today, right? And some metro guys, right? <laughs> so, and so this was Greek culture, and these were Jews Jesus was speaking to, and it's amazing. Jesus uses a practice from Greek culture to show them how to live in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is showing us just because the cultures are different doesn't mean we dis just discard the culture doesn't mean that we go away and live like in a bubble wrap world we can use the culture we live in to emphasize the kingdom of God so Jesus is saying this saying and the Jews woke up whoa Jesus is saying that we should put oil on ourselves Jesus says yeah do that and this is why you should do it so nobody can see what you're doing because it's again it's a heart matter it's a heart matter Jesus wanted them to understand that fasting isn't an act of piety that makes you look good in God's eyes. It doesn't mean you're going to get more rewards, but fasting is this. Fasting is a private matter solely for the purposes of God. And so before we go into worship today, with what Jesus is saying, so counter the culture we live in today. Everything is self-promotion. But I think we should check our motives today. Let's do a gut check today. Let's be honest about them. Where are our motives? So I want you, as we start to worship God this morning, just through song and, and music, I want you to think of four questions. I think, where are my motives with this? And the first question is this. Why do I do what I do? Why do I do what I do? Why are you here today? Why do you do some of the things that you do? Is it because you want to give glory to God or is it are you trying to bring promotion to yourself? Second question I want us to think about and contemplate am I bringing attention to me or am I driving my attention and other people's attention to God. Let me tell you, I've been in so many church services where somebody has been doing something so distracting, it has brought attention to them, and everybody else's attention goes to them, and it's all turned off from God. That is not the Jesus way. Am I bringing my attention to me? Or am I driving my attention and other people's attention to God? Third question I want us to think about is this. Do I do things to get a reward or because Jesus is Lord? I didn't mean to rhyme that one. (laughs) But do I do things to get a reward or do I do things because Jesus is Lord? Why am I even living this Christian life? Is it because I've got forgiveness of sins? Is it because I want to get to heaven? I don't want to go to hell? Is it because God provides for my needs? Or is it because Jesus is Lord? And any other way but Jesus is Lord is not the Jesus way. And the last question I want us to think about in worship today is this. Is my heart pure before God? Is my heart pure? pure before God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. That's why your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning. In a moment we're just going to stand and sing. But before we do that, I want us to really just take a look at our heart this morning. Is my heart all about Jesus or is it all about me? See, for the hypocrites, it was all about them. They just wanted other people to see how wonderful they were. And if they had Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat, and they would have been on all that telling the world how wonderful they were. They would have created a blog. They would have put videos on YouTube. But that's not the Jesus way. So the only audience we should be trying to reach and trying to promote ourselves to is an audience of one, and that's an audience of God. And God sees everything you do. And God hears every prayer that you pray. And every good deed that you do in private, God sees. And every time you try to do something more for God, he sees. And this is what Jesus says will happen. He will reward you. You don't do it to get the rewards, but the result of having a pure heart before God is that God will reward you. And so just as we reflect on our hearts today, I'm going to pray. And after we pray, we're going to stand and we're going to sing and we'll worship God. And I'm going to pray a prayer that I pray every single Sunday morning before church. And this is the prayer I pray. Oh God, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Let me see people with your heart and not my eyes. Purify my heart and let it be right before you. Father God, today we just ask that you will help us to have pure hearts. Not as the hypocrites do. But we will do things, God, for the purposes of God to give you glory, to give you honor, not to bring attention to us, not so that we can look wonderful to this world, but God, that you will become glorious in this world. Help us, God, to do good, not so that others can see the good that we do, but help us to do good so that we can bring your goodness to this world. Father, help us when we pray. To pray in a way that delights you, not sounds good to others. God, when we fast and we, 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 we do other spiritual things, God, for your purposes, God, we pray that we will do them so that we can be effective for your kingdom and for your glory. And so that others can see the beautiful, wonderful glory of Jesus. So Father, today, as we worship you, we stand here and we ask that you purify our hearts as we bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.